Thank you for listening to episode two of Far Into the Bench with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. This week's episode, we start off with our first ever center of attention segment. Then we go into our recap of the NHL playoffs so far. And as we're talking about that, we then transition into the NBA playoffs and how we think those are going to shake out. Also have a little bit of the UFC talk in the middle of this episode. Had their big UFC 252 pay-per-view over the weekend. Stipe ended up beating DC in the trilogy. And after that, we go into our normal segments, ending each episode. As a reminder, you can go to the description and have the timestamps if you don't want to listen all the way through, if you want to skip around and, and place your bets and then go back and see what we said about the recap and everything. Um, but yeah, other than that, follow us on social media at FEOTBpod on Twitter and Instagram. Keep up with everything going on there. Like, subscribe, rate, review the show. We read a review towards the end of this episode. But uh, for now, I think we're ready to get started. We're starting this week. Jimmy, it's the second week, man. We're still not going to get in. You know that, right? We're at the far end of the bench. Like, like I don't I don't, I don't know what, what you're thinking. I just – can we just – Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the bench. We are the far end of the bench. I'm Nico Bryant, and alongside, alongside me is Jimmy Pilato. We are very excited to start this week's episode off with Jimmy being the center of attention. We will touch upon the current landscape of college football, and after, we will have a discussion about the topic. So without further ado, Jimmy, take us away. College football is on my short list of things that need to happen in this shit show of the year, but not for the reason you think. The actions on the field don't interest me. I want there, for me to be wanting there to have a season, I need to have a ripple effect that will go throughout the rest of college sports, and that's what we have here. If football doesn't get played, that's $10.3 billion in revenue the NCAA and the schools won't see. And at that point, we're going to have to start cutting all these programs that are less popular and don't make as much money. And then they'll be the ones complaining about why football and basketball get, get stay around. It's when it was the NCAA and the president's decision to shut down these colleges. So this is going to affect more than just college football season if these kids don't get to play. And I think that's what a lot of people aren't thinking about. And that's why I was the center of attention this week. Yeah, so touch upon that. Thank you, Jamie, for that. Um, college football, obviously everyone heard about the Big Ten shutting down and then as well as Pac-12 um, shutting down and hopefully rescheduling to the spring. But right as of right now, I think it's the ACC and the SEC, and I think a few smaller ones, you can correct me, Big 12, and a few other conferences um, that are still going to play as of right now. So, uh, Jimmy, you had a lot of great points there. I think the biggest point that I want to touch upon as well to go along with that is the smaller sports. I mean, as a, as a former lacrosse player, um, as a guy who, who loves playing tennis as well and different sports like that, these, those, are the, those are the type of programs that will be cut without having – our college football around. I mean, if you look at the SEC, a huge program I mean, that comes to mind right away is Alabama hockey. Without, I mean, SEC is still playing, but if you cut football in the SEC, Alabama hockey's been on a roll. And then if you look at ASU, too, ASU is Pac-12, and they, they just became D1 hockey school. And they might have to cut that down. They were just the first time last year um, being a D1 hockey school, making the tournament as well, which is huge for the school. And now that, that program may be cut, who knows. Um, it's it, without football in the fall, so it's going to be interesting to see if if how this affects every school differently. 
Yeah, no, the obvious reasons why this is this seems like a good idea and it seems like a logical thing to do is 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 the seniors not being able to play. I mean, we both know a really close buddy who's positive has facing the possibility now of not having a senior year of football, which would be his final year that he's been able to play the game in Gabe, and that's obviously a big problem. But if you don't want to look at it that way, if you want to just look at the fact that it's too early and, and we don't have the resources or anything like that to be able to deal with it. That's just not true to the fact that what's going to be ruined if this doesn't happen. It's bigger than just having football or not having football. I talk about it all the time with the fine arts. I was around the fine arts students a lot because um, the communications department at my college was also the theater department. And those program, the theater program doesn't make money anyways. They would get cut with no football. Uh, there's a lot of things that people don't realize football fund it's not just the athletics and getting new facilities but the reason why you have student fees and they're you know two grand is because football makes enough money that they can the university doesn't have to charge you to use the facilities that they have on campus so there's a lot of different things that I think people aren't taking into consideration when this thing is getting discussed yeah I think one of the things that um made a great point was Joe Burrow. Last year at this time, no one, I mean, Joe Burrow, I don't think was a, was projected to be drafted. He had that stellar senior season at LSU, and he became the number one overall pick. Players like that who were looking for that senior year to make a name for themselves and have a chance to be drafted, have the chance to play at the next level, may not have the chance now. I mean, there's players like Justin Fields who have been studs, who only got to play a year at Ohio State, who like another year. Trevor Lawrence, exactly, too. Um, those players will still get drafted eventually, but you got to look at the smaller schools who um, were trying on the cusp of making the top 25 or a chance to push for the Final Four playoff um, with a great still quarterback play or running back play or whatever position it may be. Now those stocks are going are gonna to completely drop. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL does as well because, I mean, if the teams do push back to the spring for football, it means the draft is going to have to happen during the summer. It's not going to be during the spring like it usually is after the Super Bowl. They're going to have to wait a little longer, which means that might push back training camps as well, which could affect the season. So that's a whole other thing you got to think about. I think the NBA – or sorry, not NBA. The NFL and the NCAA need to work a little bit together and try to figure out a way, I mean, whether it make, make it possible for the, some of the fo- football schools to play in their stadiums, like in the NFL stadiums, maybe do Saturday or Sunday. Um, days days where you have both day, both like both Saturday and Sunday being played, maybe that will mess up the field a little bit, but I think that's that's a possibility that could happen because the NFL needs college football. And um, without without the teams going ahead, well, without the best teams, like some of the best teams in college football are from the Big Ten. And Pac-12 is not always at the top of the, top of the food chain, but who doesn't love watching Pac-12 in the dark? Like, that's how people get through the, the long nights at the bars is watching Pac-12 football at 2 a.m. in the morning. Exactly, watching USC or UCLA play or even see Hawaii, Hawaii and uh, Arizona. Yeah, those are all – I mean, I think the UCLA-Arizona game was the one I was watching. That was a really big comeback, right? Mm-hmm, yep. <clears throat> and there's, I agree with you. It's not, like, great football, but it is fun to watch. It's exactly. entertaining. Exactly. There's – yeah, there's just a whole bunch that – Athletics is often looked at as a simple program and a simple problem to solve, but it, <clears throat> it touches so many other things that that's the reason why sports not having happened in the country, I think, has kind of 
hurt a little bit because it is part of American identity. Yeah. And we all have – you say you're from America. Oh, what football team do you like? What baseball team do you watch? There's, it's always something. It's always a comp- competition. And not having that, I think, is kind of hurt. So I think this is also another a step to get on the right track. Yeah, a podcast that um, you've probably heard me talk about a few times is Bustin' with the Boys. Will Compton, just, they just dropped an episode. I just listened on, to that one today. Yeah, they just dropped an episode um, on Monday. This is Tuesday, but it's coming out Thursday. But you should go back and listen to the episode. But he had a great point. He's like, we gotta, we're going to have to go on with our lives because eventually, eventually we're going to have a cure and eventually everything's going to have to go on. And we're, right now we're being defined by what's going on in our lives. And if we don't take advantage of what we can and what we can't do safely, then that's going to define us the rest of our lives. And we can't stop time. We can't. We're 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 worrying about dying too much and not worried about living. Yeah. And we need to try to go on with our lives and do it in a safe and cautious way, um, but better ourselves when when we're able to get out of this. Yeah, I think the the quote that he was saying was we're so scared to die that we forgot to live. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that a lot too. And. Um, he was one of those guys that needed a senior season in college, and he didn't even get drafted still. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's where the athlete in me goes, and I want seniors who aren't going to be able to play at the next level to have a senior season. So I think that's a really cool experience to have. It's your kind of like last tour. But also, if you're going to look at it logistically, it makes a lot of sense to give up whatever reason they set they had to cancel the season and just put it back because that's – I think it's going to cause less harm – if you put the season back, then it would canceling, moving to the spring. And that's my other thing. I don't think they're going to play in the spring, but that's a whole other can of worms yeah. that we can get into. Um, that was our first center of attention segment. You guys will see that video uh, come out on Monday. On Mondays, yep. And then next week we're going to have a special episode next week um, with with this uh, center of attention segment. It's going to be me. And yep. with 824 coming up, we'll have a little Mamba special. Okay. Um, so. You'll be able to hear that on next week's episode. Be sure to follow us, like us, subscribe us, because you won't want to miss next week's episode either. So at F E O T B Pod on the so- on social medias, that's where you'll find a lot of our stuff and, and be able to keep up with us. Now we're going to transition into our recap. And do you want to start? We started in hockey last week. Do you want to start in NBA this week? I think we should. I think we should go hockey first because I think the NBA one we're gonna have a fat discussion about. So let's go. Let's go hockey first. All right, um, hockey first. So the the series right now, um, Canadian and Montreal. We talked about, or sorry, Montreal Canadiens and Philadelphia Flyers. We talked about a little bit. Um, the Flyers won tonight, so they're up three one. It looks like they'll be able to take that series. Blues right now were able to tie it up with the Canucks, and we'll have a little bit of discussion about that. And also Boston is up 3-1, even though losing Tuka Rask, which was a huge, huge subtraction to the team. I mean, Tuka Rask had to look out for his family, look out for himself, so don't hate him there, but still hurts Boston in the end. And then obviously the Colorado Avalanche with a huge game four. And then um, they took t- they took home two victories that night. They took home the victory on the ice. They took home the victory in the fight after the, exactly. the third period. So I guess we'll start with the Avs going in there. So Avs coming off a 7-1 win the other night, being able to start, solve Darcy Kemper. Um, which is which was unheard of the first two or the two, game two and three game one we got to him within two minutes but game two and three he was lights out um, but so it's it's gonna it's the Abs are in a great position I feel like having the Coyotes are a great team they don't only have Kemper Clayton Killers played well Garland has played well for them they have a lot of great talent on the wings and um, up front their defense is just not as, as good as what the Avs have showed. Eric Johnson has showed up great. Rookie of the year, who should be rookie of the year, also known as Call the Trophy, 
Kale McCarr has been a stud. And I think, honestly, I mean, this is going to be – like you're probably not going to like this because I think I know who your player of the week is. But Grubauer has outshone Kemper. He's only – in three games, he didn't play the one game we've lost. But in three games, he's only allowed three goals in, including one shutout. Grubauer has been a stud. And I don't, I don't think we sh- they should switch goalies back and forth. I think Grubauer is the man to go with. And right now, we got to stick with one, right with one guy and let him roll. Because if he's on the roll he is right now, continuing on, we're, we have great shots to make it far. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Pavel Francouz should have been in the game at all. Grubauer had shown that he was looking really good in the round-robin games. So there wasn't really a reason for that, and that kind of that sucked. I was, I was so infatuated with Darcy Kemper because he, at the start of that game the other night, he had 119 saves. And he'd only allowed like six or seven goals in the entire series, and I think eight or I think eleven to fifteen total since the restart had happened. So he was just on another level. But they did finally. It didn't seem that hard to figure out Kemper because he likes to bring his glove hand down, and they even talked about that as the announcers. So that made no sense why they kept trying to shoot right over his pad on his glove side. But then he started to see them open it up a little bit. Uh, the first one, it kind of. It resembles baseball a little bit. You use the old saying is a bloop and a blast. So you get lucky once, and then somebody can, somebody opens the floodgates, and you just start scoring. And I think that's what happened because that first goal went in off a skate, it wasn't even off a stick, in this last game, and they they just blew it open. I thought that they should have been doing this a whole series. I'm glad that they got a little bit pissed off after they lost because I think that shows the right attitude moving forward. I think that this whole thing. Uh, playing the Coyotes has been great because you can't take them lightly any night, but they're not good enough to beat the Avalanche multiple, multiple yeah, no, times. Yeah, no, the Coyotes have been a great, are a great team on paper. Um, they have a lot of great talent, but they just haven't been able to put it together. They have, I mean, their offense production has been minimal at the at the most. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Coyotes hater. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think they'll be finished by the time this episode ends tomorrow night uh, on Wednesday when the Avs play the Coyotes game fi- or game five. I think it'll be finished, but. Um, the Coyotes gave us a run for our money, but they relied way too heavily on Kemper. The Avs, I mean, Avs know what they have behind them. Grubauer is good is a good backbone to have, but you have those studs who are playing lights out. McKinnon has played some of the best hockey I think I've ever seen him play. Cam McCarr is in playoff Kale mode, which we saw last year in his first few games. Then you have the top line getting their stuff together as well with uh, Miko Ransom getting a goal. Then. Awesome Kadri has been, I think, the MVP of the restart. Cod- and that that off-season deal that we did trading Tyson Berry to Toronto for Kadri is looking absolutely fantastic right now. And the off-season moves that Joe Sackick did in the off-season um, sh- has really shown that the Avalanche are trying to make that next step. Last year we were raw talent. We were, we surprised the world being Calgary. Now everyone knows we're here, and ja- Joe Sackick knows that we're we're ready. And this team's good good enough to make a cup run. Yeah, that was. It, that was gigantic. Um, and it, he reminds me of Evgeny Malkin from the 2017 Penguins run where he wasn't a huge name and then got into the playoffs and just scored as many goals as possible, just got hot. And that's kind of where I see Kadri going from this point. Yeah, Malkin's always been a good player. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been a long-standing hockey fan just because I mean, I know Malkin from Team Canada when they play Team USA. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Olympic hockey fan, so I, I, know, I knew about Malkin beforehand, but – I would agree, though, that Kadri has played out of his mind that he's on that level right now where he he is our one of our best options. I think he, if if the Avalanche do what we all want them to do, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to jinx it, but I, he could be in the running for the Smythe, mm-hmm. which would be the, the playoff MVP. 
Uh, that that only happens if we get to where we I think we can go and I think we want to go. It sucks that Vegas keeps winning because I think it would be huge to have them get knocked out before we have to play them in the conference final. Um, but yeah, I think that it's a good situation moving forward, and I think that there's been a lot of good moves made to get to that point. And I apologize, sorry. Malkin plays with Team Russia, not Team Canada. But yeah, so going to the next series that we that I think is one of the best series right now is Vancouver and. St. Louis, Vancouver took game one and two. And then Vancouver has come back, switched goalies to Jake Allen and come back and tie the series up. One of the bets I have currently right now, I mean, it's not on my beats of the week, which will be coming up later, but it is one of the bets I had when they were down 2-0. But I took the Blues in the series when they were down 2-0, and it was plus 216. Right now it's looking pretty good. Um, the Blues are hitting it on cylinders. They're showing their, 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 their strength and their cup mentality that they had the year before. I mean, Vancouver is just – Bo Horvat has been an incredible. Uh, Quinn Hughes, second place in the College Trophy Finals, though. But he's been incredible as well. Um, Vancouver has given them a run for that money. But I'd be look, that's going to be a great end of that series. I'd be sure to go check out um, and watch the end of those, end of that. But I, I like this. I was paying attention to this series, too, because uh, we'll play the – if everything works out the way that it's going to, we play the winner of this one. Um so I, I was trying to figure out who I'd want to see more. And, and my my only thing is the Blues have the playoff experience. The Canucks have never gone that far, especially this team. Um, it's been nine, I think it's been since 1993 that a Canadian team has won or competed for the Stanley Cup. So they're going to be super inexperienced. I would much rather see the Canucks, but I want to see them go seven games, just like we were talking about last week. The teams who play the most games are going to wear down the fastest. And that's just slim picking for the Avalanche because everybody can skate and fly. And if we're only playing five, six games a series, it's basically I mean, obvious we're a Colorado podcast, Colorado-based podcast, so we're going to be a little bit biased towards the hometown teams. But even the national announcers, I think, finally realize this, this team is for real. Yeah, the Avalanche, I mean, if you look at the top line, obviously you have the studs, um, McKinnon, Ranson, and and uh, Landis Gog, but the fourth line is coming through as well. P.E. Be- Belomar, J.T. Comfer, and uh, Matushkin on those back lines have done, have done an incredible job. I mean, we're, we're getting production out of every single line, and they're flying up and down the ice. I know you're you're not a big fan of the run at all, like up and down the ice, back and forth. You're more of a slow it down, beat up the other team. But right now, the way I mean, if we can keep this up, keep the speed, and keep everything going at a high pace, we have a good shot making a deep run, they especially against the Blues too. Yeah, I mean, they got the attitude that I always wanted them to have. They don't have to be big and strong. They're people run into McKinnon and they're trying to deliver the hit and end up on the ice. So they they got that little bit of. I feel like they're that's the best way I could put it is they're pissed off because they're upset about last year and how it ended, and then the pause happened when they were on that huge winning streak. And now they come back and they're like, it's it's time. Like, it's now or never. This is going to happen this year, and then we're going to try and continue it. But why not just do it now? They, they don't have to wait for another piece. They don't have to wait for you know a little bit of size. If they can win the way that they're playing, then do it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure in the, either next week's episode or the following week we'll have more in-depth analysis with the second-round matchups um, as these series comes to an end. But um, on that note, let's go take it back to the NBA because the playoffs just started on Monday with the playing game, which was my game of the week last weekend with Portland taking over Memphis. And if you guys follow us on Instagram at F-E-O-T-B pod, 
we post it or we post it on Sunday our predictions, and I guarantee you, you probably either shook your head at either Jimmy or me, one of our one of our takes, because we both have a little interesting uh, takes. So I'll I'll let you go first, Jimmy. I think we should start an Easter conference. Um, start with your East, and we'll go back to the West. Uh, my East right now, I was kind of it was all chalk pretty much. Um, I had the Raptors beating the Nets. I didn't think that. I didn't think that there was going to be a huge upset in the first round. Uh, so I, I have the Raptors beating the Nets. I have the Celtic, or actually, I have the 76ers beating the Celtics. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest. I know very little about either of those teams. Um, but I, I have the Heat beating the Pacers because I think Jimmy Butler's here to play. Um, and I think the Heat were going to play the Bucks after they beat the Magic, but that, might, that doesn't look so good right now. Um, and I think the Heat will be a little bit tougher of a test for Milwaukee. So I think that's. That's the way I want it to go, and that's the way I think it's going to go. Yeah, as we were recording this pod, the Bucks lost this morning to Orlando. Um, I think game two is on Thursday, but Orlando, their game plan was pretty strict. It was make Giannis be, or make everyone else beat you besides Giannis. Giannis had 37 points, had a double double, one off, had a great game, but the rest of the team struggled. Middleton had one of his worst games since the restart, and that was a big problem. Um, the Bucks focused on Giannis, made him shoot the ball. And made the rest of the team beat them, and they didn't show up. If teams are able to do that going forward, Milwaukee's going to have cho- pro- or is going to have problems. I still think Milwaukee is going to walk away with Orlando because the talent's there. Um, I, I think. I, I mean, I, I don't know if they'll win four straight now, but I think that series will be either done in five or six. Uh, Miami and Indiana. I watched that game today, and Jimmy Butler was on another level. Playoff Jimmy is is in full overdrive, and Miami has a great great chance. Uh, to make a deep run in the East, I, I believe. I mean, Bam Autobio plays like he did today. They have a great chance to keep to even go past Milwaukee's, which I is, which I have too. But we'll talk about it later. You you picking Philadelphia over Boston? I'll I'll, I'll stop you there because here, here's the basketball knowledge coming in. So Philly losing Ben Simmons, he's he's not playing the rest of the series. Embiid struggled. I mean, he he had his numbers, but he only took 14. He was either 14 or 16 shots. In total against the Celtics, and that's not going to win you ball games. When you're when you're quote unquote best, I'm saying quote unquote because he's not, but quote unquote best center in the league is not the forefront of your offense. You're not going to be winning series. And considering your second best players out of his series as well, Boston has too much talent. In my defense, I did fill this bracket out before I listened to part of my take, and they said Ben Simmons was out. So that was that was part of my thing. I thought Ben Simmons was going to have a good playoff series. Yeah. So, but I think Boston. Without Ben Simmons, it'll be five or six. Um, and then uh, Toronto is my sleeper to come out of the East. I mean, in my, in my in prediction bracket, I have Toronto and Boston in the second round. Toronto, I think we either sweep Brooklyn or we'll be in five. Brooklyn might get a game because Karis LeVert has been an absolute animal too. So Toronto, I think I think I have Toronto over Boston too. So Toronto and then in the other side, the top half in the Eastern Conference semifinals, I have um, – Miami and Milwaukee, and I had Miami taking Milwaukee. It, I mean, this was beforehand, before the game happened today as well. I just believe that Miami has a, a, enough depth behind them where Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, um, Goran Dragic, and person who didn't even play today, Kendrick Nunn, they have enough depth behind them and enough wings to, to guard Giannis and take down Middleton and, and be able to minimize their offense, and that Bucks offense was static today. They, they can all, that static offense will only take them so far, and then I then I then I have Toronto beating Miami in the or East Conference Finals with I mean Toronto is 
one of the best coach teams right now left. Without I mean, without, without the Spurs in the playoffs, I think Nick Nurse right now is the best coach in the in, in the bubble. He's done a great job defensively with that team, and they're only going to continue to get stronger. I think what today proves with the Bucks and the Magic is that it it's a high possibility that they're going to get upset like they did last year, and it, it could either happen in the second round once they play the Heat, or it could happen in the finals again against the Raptors. I don't. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying there. I think that, you know, there's going to be – I guess I'll ask you this to get the, the re- to set the rest of my questions up to see if I have to ask them. As a basketball guy, is losing by 12, how big of a deal is that? Does that mean that you just got outplayed? Does that mean that you got down and couldn't come back from enough? What does that normally mean? Is it like a good loss or is it a loss that shows you maybe this isn't going to go our way? It all depends on the game because 12-point 12 12 point wins can either be two ways. You could be foul, fouls at the end of the game and there's just – I mean, the game's out of reach. Or it could be you're down 20 and you made a run at the end of the game. Like, it, it happens in both ways. Um, right, The Bucks were down the whole game. So that that's a terrible loss. That's that's a loss that's that they need to recover from and come back game two, game two and make sure they're at the top of their games because they obviously weren't ready for game one and they need to make sure they're ready for game two, um, which I believe Giannis will because he's he is. There's a reason why he's in the MVP race, um, but I don't. Know, I I don't think this team is a long-term or an NBA Finals um, contender at this point. I mean, they have the they have the talent. But if you're struggling to beat Orlando, I don't I don't know how you're going to get through a Miami Heat or a Toronto Raptors or even a Boston Celtics. I don't know how you're going to be able to do that. So that brings up my next question. Does this affect Giannis moving forward? Because he played and scored 40 points, but if he can't – if you can score 40 points and still lose by 12, does that demoralize you then because you know you have nobody around you? It's like, if I don't score 85 points tonight, we're going to have no shot to beat this other team. Because they're just playing better than better better than the rest of my guys. Oh, I I guarantee you, he was on Chris Middleton's ass and was making sure he was in check. But um, yeah, people gotta remember, Giannis is a free agent, I believe, next summer. So that's that's a whole thing. He has an option to opt out this year, but he's a free agent next summer, and he, his options are endless right now. He could go to Miami. He could go out west. He could. Um, Join the Knicks, which probably won't happen, but that's it's, it's an option because he maybe wants like a bigger a, market. But Milwaukee has an opportunity to lose him, and if they don't show up in this year's playoffs and next year they don't get it together, you could see, easily see him walking. It seems a lot like the Nolan Arenado situation that we were seeing last year mm-hmm. with Colorado. Um, the players stating that he wants to compete for championships, and the ownership and the management doing moves that doesn't bode for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that happening here with Giannis just because if they don't do it this year, they're going to have to go out and make sure that they get a superstar for him to compliment him next year. Otherwise, I think I agree with you. He's going to just go wherever it yeah. makes sense to win. Yeah, That's Matt, the way the NBA is now. Just go to the best place that you, that you have to win. Exactly. Middleton is a great co-star, but you, you, they have to have production elsewhere too. Like, I mean, we're, we'll talk about the Lakers in a minute here, but you got to have production outside of your stars. I mean, this, this league, like – Having the duo league, I mean, where teams will have the two best players, and build, you have to have people around them. If you don't have the people or right pieces around them, you're not going to make it very far. If you can't rely heavily on two guys, because you always have to have one guy on the floor. Yeah. And if you if you're dependent on that, you're not a team that will make it very far in the playoffs. And um, right now, Milwaukee's dependent on one guy, and Giannis can't play 45 minutes a night. That's just not possible. No, uh, I have for my the rest of my Eastern side. I had the Bucks going over. 
uh, the Raptors. I thought the Raptors were going to beat the 76ers, and I thought the Bucks were going to be able to beat the Heat in a tough series. And then if they did that, I thought the Bucks would have a better mindset to go to the finals. Probably not going to happen right now. They could still surprise me and make a, a run. But I'll be the Stephen A. Smith. I'll completely say the opposite of what I did last uh, going into everything and just say they suck. I never said that they were going to be good, and let's move on from that. I don't know about them sucking yet, but we'll, we'll go to the West now. So I'll let you start because you had some interesting takes. You so. want to start with that one or you want me to finish it? We'll, we'll start with that one. I, I have the Jazz beating the Nuggets. Um, I know you convinced me at, while we were doing the episode last week, you convinced me that the Nuggets weren't struggling, struggling the way that I thought they were. And then watching game one yesterday as we're recording this, and they almost blew – a lead that they had coming out of the second half. Uh, I'd be honest, I turned it off in the third quarter because I thought I was the one causing them to choke the game away at that point. They ended up having a, big, a great fourth quarter. It scares me that they can do that, though, to where they have one terrible quarter because the basketball team I'm used to watching when I was calling Western did the same thing where they would have one bad 10-minute stretch and just can never recover. I can see that happening with the Nuggets. They didn't have one of their... I don't. I can't remember the guy's name who left. Mike Conley. Mike Conley wasn't even playing. And you said that when I originally sent the bracket, you said that was going to be a big factor, and it didn't seem like it was that big of a factor. I just think I always thought the Jazz were dangerous if they played the Nuggets in the playoffs, and that still stands for me. Yeah. So I mean, without Conley in that lineup, that's a huge loss. I think Conley does make a huge difference. I, I originally thought Conley wouldn't have been able to play until Game Four or Five, but I mean. Well, or Adrian Wojnarowski came out today and said that Mike Conley just returned to the bubble today. So he looks like he won't be able to play game three because he has to do the 48-hour quarantine, but he'll be back game four, um, which is – or sorry, game – sorry. He'll be – he won't be able to play game two, but he'll be back game three. Um, so that's going to be huge. I think the Nuggets need to take game two. It's not a must win, but it's a very huge game. Without Conley on the floor, I mean, we saw what Jamal Murray did. He took over. Um, he had 37 points and absolutely had a ridiculous stat line. And he took over in that fourth quarter in overtime when he stepped in the game. Donovan Mitchell had 57 points. I'll live with 57 points if it's a, if it's a Denver Nuggets win. Like, I, the one thing that just, I mean, as, I was, as I was watching it that just shocked me was at the end of the game and, I mean, not the end of the game, at, when going into overtime, Donovan Mitchell wasn't, didn't have the ball in his hands. They were, they were relying heavily on Joe Ingles' threes, trying to feed Gobert in the post, and they completely went away from Donovan Mitchell taking over the game, which he was doing the whole game. And that's where their first fall was. Donovan Mitchell is a great ball player, and he has a lot of great star potential. But, if like I mean, like, like I said with um, – like what Orlando did with Milwaukee, you made their best player beat you and no one else did. Like that, if Denver is able to do that, Jokic played incredible too, having a double – or – he was one rebound shy of a double-double, and then uh, Jamal going off, having eight assists and 37 points. He, he, was, a, he was a great factor. And then MPJ also, ha- I mean, he, had a sl- he, had, he didn't have as good of a game as he'd been having in the bubble, but now we, now we expect more from, him, for, more from him, which is going to be even bigger, bigger, bigger production for him, more minutes. And now the report came out about four hours ago that Will Barton is out indefinitely. So he won't be returning the playoffs. So now hopefully we get Gary Harris back. But now, Will or sorry, without Will with Will Barton gone, MPJ is going to be a huge, huge factor in every series going forward. I agree. I think they should win this game, just because it would be the second year in a row that they gave up their home court advantage. You can't. It doesn't really matter this year, but if you're the 
favorite in the series and you get that home court advantage, quote-unquote, uh, this year, it's, if you choke away the home court advantage, it just leaves you in the same place. You, you basically gave up your one get-out-of-jail-free card. If you go 2-0 the first two games and they end up coming back and winning a game like we saw with the Avalanche series, you still have that chance to go up 3-1 at some point. If you go into game three 1-1, it's a totally different series. And that's where teams that are young, that haven't had super deep playoff experience because the Nuggets haven't made it past the second round is with this lineup, that's where they could start getting in trouble. So I think they should – if they are going to win the series, I would like them to win this next game. I think it sets them up better to not have to do a seven-game dogfight. Yeah, our quote-unquote home court advantage right now is Mike Conley not playing. There is, like you said, there's no home court advantage besides a few pictures on the jumbotron, whatever it may be. And having without Mike Conley in games one and two, Nuggets need they took advantage of that in game one. You need to do it in game two, game three and four. Then you're gonna have to change adjustments. Maybe you're gonna, maybe maybe you'll have Gary Harris back too yeah. in games three and four, which would be huge um, defensive wise because then you could relieve Jamal or relieve Toy Craig of some of his duties. Um, but yeah, that's that's I think the series will go six or seven. I wouldn't like it to go 6 or 7. I'd much rather an easier win for the Nuggets. But Utah is that good of a team. And if Gobert decides to show up, then that, they're even better. If, so. they, if they go up 2-0, do you still see it going 6 or 7? Or is it 6 or 7 regardless? I do because I think the big game is game 3. I think this game 2, if Utah is able to take game 2, it's 100% going 7. Um, or may, I mean, maybe not. Maybe if, if Utah wins, it's a big – game 2 is a swing game right now. Game 1 was good. But without, if Utah is able to take game two and then re-add a piece like Mike Conley back in the mix, they're, they're going to be very deadly. So I don't, that's going to hurt us more. Game two is huge. Um, but if, if we go up too well, I still think it would go six because I think Mike Conley back is going to make a huge difference. Because, so, I mean, Mike, Mike Conley is one of the most slept-on point guards in the league. Like, when he, was with, he was in Memphis and not many people heard or knew watched Memphis Grizzlies basketball and – weren't familiar, but with those grit and grind days, Grizzlies were deadly. And Mike Conley is a great, great point guard. He's not hes not going to get you 30 a night, but he's going to be a great facilitator. He's going to be a great floor general. So that's something that's going to be coming to play in games three through whatever, how many, however many games this goes. So I assume you have the Nuggets beating the Jazz in the first round? I do, yes. I have, for the rest of my Western side, I have the Clippers beating the Mavericks. I have then the Clippers beating the Jazz in the second round and making the Western Conference final. And then I have the Rockets over the Thunder in the first round and the Lakers over the Trailblazers. I'm not swept up in the Damian Lillard's going to make this a dogfight series. I think that the Lakers are going to come out with their talent and just overpower Portland. One guy can't beat a team with three superstars on it. I'm sorry. It's just not possible. And then I have the Lakers beating the Rockets in the second round going to the Western Conference Final. And I do have the Lakers coming out of that. Um, Now I have another reason, but – I'll, I'll just go with the reason that after they make it out of this first round, they're going to be wearing the Mamba jerseys that are commemorating Kobe. And this is a mission. This is something that you can do uh, with with this extraneous situation. It's the same thing with the Ravens back in 2012 when it, it was Ray Lewis's last year and they ended up winning a Super Bowl. It's, it's a team of destiny kind of thing. And when the team is that talented and they're a team of destiny, I, I don't know how you beat that. Yeah, for me, I mean – my, my my whole goal of my bracket was I want chaos. I want March Madness 2.0. This, in my opinion, this basically is March Madness. We're watching games at 11 o'clock till right now it's 8.30 and there's still a basketball game on. And that chaos 
brings that that brings in like March Madness, I want in the NBA. So the Western Conference is where I get a little nuts. So the West, I have. Um, I'll start. I have. I have Clippers over Dallas. I think that series goes seven, though. I mean, you saw what Dallas did last night after losing Porzingis to second technical, which his first technical was was questionable. He shouldn't have been ejected, but in a playoff situation. But that made a huge change, and I think that series goes seven because I think Luka's going to take over a few games and make it a series. I still think Clippers come come out top. Uh, I said, and then I have the Clippers over the Nuggets. Clippers. Are a better team. The Nuggets were, were just too young. We're not ready yet. And the Clippers are a lot more experienced and a lot better team. And then the top half, I have Houston being OKC. I was a little iffy on this because I think OKC is a great team. But I wasn't sure how Houston was going to look without Russ. But today, they obliterated OKC. They, they dominated them in every facet of the game. And if they, if they are just at that, if they're that good going into – Game one without one of their best players, and I mean Jeff Green had a great game today. If if they're able to continue that production from the bench, then I think it, that might be five. I think I had it six games, might be a five game series, and then I had Portland over LA. So th- this is this is where things get interesting. LeBron, Le- like I've said before, LeBron is LeBron. He he's going to take over games, but this game is going to come come down not to LeBron and Damian Lillard. It's going to come down to everyone else. If I think this is going to be who's who's going to be who's going to be the better defensive team. If the, the, right now the Lakers point guard situation, they have Deion Waiters, they have Quinn Cook who isn't getting minutes, they have J.R. Smith, Danny Green, um, and they have LeBron basically playing the point, which he probably will guard Dame. He's been guarding the game, Dame, Damian Lillard most of the first half, at least what we've been watching. So it's going to come down to if Portland can either lock down either. Anthony Davis or LeBron every night. You don't have to you don't have to knock down lock down both. You just gotta lock down one. The one interesting thing that happened today that I saw that Portland made a small adjustment with was they started Wenyan Gabriel at the four. They usually start Gary Chant at the three and start Melo at the four, but they made that slight adjustment, knowing that Nurkic is a little bit slower and not as athletic for Anthony Davis. And at the beginning of the night. I mean, the Blazers are up three right now currently against the Lakers almost near halftime, and he's done a great job so far guarding Anthony Davis. So now the next thing is, is who's going to guard LeBron. If you're, able to, if you're able to lock one of them down and make LeBron, or make one of them beat you, only one of them beat you, and let the rest of the stars or rest of the role players sorry, um, play their game, then I think Portland is much more talented. Right now, their best player on the Lakers is Kyle Kuzma. And right now, I'm taking Nurkic over Kyle Kuzma. I'm taking Gary Trent Jr., the Duke product, over Kyle Kuzma. I'm taking Melo over Kyle Kuzma. And right now, right now, that, 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 that's only they're starting off. And I'm not even talking about Damon, C.J. McCollum. If LeBron's guarding Damian Lillard, who's going to guard C.J. McCollum? C.J. McCollum went off against, um, against Memphis in the playing game. They didn't have. They re- They showed that they don't have to depend heavily on Dame to win ball games. And right now, I think depth-wise, Portland is a better team than the Lakers. I do. I would not be surprised if the Lakers win, obviously. But I do think Portland is the better team. And then I. Then I. Then after that, I had Portland beating Houston. Um, like I said before, Houston's going to rely heavily on the top two guys. If they are able to get production, they can make a Western Conference Finals appearance. But I think Portland will have a lot more depth and come play a lot better. And then the series that I am praying for, Portland and the Clippers have Pat Bev, Pat Bev, Patrick Beverly, and Damian Lillard go head to head for a seven-game series. Get your popcorn ready because I promise you that would be the series of the, of the whole playoffs. Because 
I mean, having Paul George, having Kawhi Leonard, the reigning um, Finals MVP against a guy who got knocked out the year before off of bye-bye game-winning three. Kawhi playing Toronto the year after he left and won them a championship. Mm-hmm. So that's. I want your bracket to work out better now. Yeah, I, my my bracket is is a lot more fun. I would love. I mean, I think LeBron would be it'd be huge for his reputation, and I'm a LeBron. Goat, MV, goat, goat. LeBron Stan. LeBron Stan. As so, I, I mean, it would hurt his reputation. I mean, but I don't know. I, I want, I want the best series, and I think with this bracket that I've come up with, I think I, there really is. And then I have the Clippers over Toronto in the finals. And I, I, I mean, Kawhi winning three NBA Finals MVPs with three different teams, which okay. solidifies him as a top twenty player of all time, maybe top fifteen. Why doesn't that make him top five? He's had a lot of he's had a lot more success than I realized. He has, but huh? I, I, I guess I guess you're right. I don't know. I, I I still I I mean he's just a very quiet guy. That's why he doesn't get as yeah. much love as the other players did. But I mean you're not wrong. I, I mean you could make a case for him to be because he top won five. how many with San Antonio you, and he, beat one of the big three Heat teams. He he only won one in San Antonio against the Miami Heat in 2014, and then in. Then he won in Toronto, obviously last year. Yeah. So, but that was one of the big three teams. That was the, the was that the that, that was the that was the last year because he because Miami Miami San Antonio played in the finals two years in a row. Yeah. First year was the Ray Allen shot, obviously, and the second year was when Kawhi took over and the they, the Spurs won. But he only won one there because that following year is when the Warriors dynasty took off. Yeah. And they, um, I think Kawhi was hurt, and then he they had that chance to. Be Golden City, but he was hurt, and then everything just went downhill for there with him and the Spurs organization. So I think just with his the amount of accolades that he's gotten, the amount of championships that he's won, and then just he, I think he's a better all around player. I would put him over Steph. Oh, one hundred percent. And Nico's getting up to grab the charger. So that's why he's a little bit faint now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Kawhi, I mean Kawhi's above. Steph is a great. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time, but Kawhi's um, on another level. He's he's up there above Steph Curry, in my opinion. There's just a lot of people that say Steph is one of the greatest of all time, and I think you can say greatest shooter of all time. I wouldn't say greatest player of all time. Yeah, well, he's oh, he he will be the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, but he won't, he's not the greatest player. That whole family. I wish I could shoot threes. I wish that was my family's gift instead of thick thighs. That would be something. Yeah, no, Seth Curry has done a great job, too, with, with Dallas, and he's been a great role player for them, too. So, yeah, well, I love both, the both Curry brothers are in the playoffs this well, year? Well, or actually, Seth yeah, not Seth. But is Seth is in the playoffs, huh? Seth, yeah. But, I mean, I was having this conversation with one of my buddies, and he was, he was saying team people are sleeping on next year's Golden State. Oh, yeah. I said that way back in February. <laughs> I said that back in February when I realized, wait a second, Steph comes back. Clay comes Clay's back. coming back. Draymond's going to be Draymond. They get a lottery pick. Which could be, I think, right. I mean, if they win the lottery, they'll probably take James Wiseman out of Memphis, who's been an absolute stud. But that'll be later on down the road we'll talk about. But, that's, but that is a hell of a lot coming down the And they could get a lot of out, out of Andrew Wiggins that was expected of him when, when Minnesota traded for him uh, way back when, when – Cleveland drafted him first overall and traded him to Minnesota. So he could come into his form and play a Harrison Barnes type role. Does that entice AD? Because AD's a free agent. 
They don't have money. I'll tell you that right now. They don't have the money. Well, yeah, <laughs> they don't have money. They just played. They played. They just paid Clay over the summer. Staff is looking for a new deal too. They won't have money for AD now. I I will. That's one of the things that I've said. I've always liked about the Golden State Dynasty is they know who they started it around and they're continuing to pay those guys, Draymond, Steph, and Clay, and they let the guys that they brought in to win go. That's the only thing that I like about that dynasty. I didn't like the dynasty necessarily as they were playing. I always. Thought it was no fun having the same two teams in the finals. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't follow basketball up until the finals, it's boring for me. I shouldn't have to watch the same matchup every year. It's not, it wasn't boring for me, but I could see where the average, average – I'm not calling you average fan, I, but the I, average fan at the time probably hated the same finals every year. But, I mean, the one last thing, though, I want to talk about before we go off the NBA is the Suns and the Valley boys going 8-0. Yeah. I mean, heart crush – Heartbreaking that they weren't able to make the play-in, which is ridiculous. Because if you look at the standings, each team that those final four teams had the same amount of losses. The only difference was they other teams played one or two more games, and Portland played two more games, had two more wins. Every team had the same amount of losses, and that's just heartbreaking for a Suns fan. I, th- I mean, they're going to be a great team coming forward. Aiden hopefully can come into their prime or come into his prime. And Booker has already shown that he's a star. I think they need one more piece to be a real contender in the West, but they're they're right there in the mix. I would have been seriously – I don't think they – I kind of put them in the same category as the Blazers. They're probably not as deep, um, but I think they could have at least kind of annoyed the Lakers in the first round if they made it. Yeah, I know. I, think, I still think Portland is going to give L.A. a better matchup, but it would have been awesome. I would have loved to see Damian Lillard and Devin Booker's face off. But. Yeah. That's always for next year. So, all right, that was that was a lot of NBA talk, and I didn't get you going as bad as I thought I was going to. No, because you want to show the listeners what I have to say for you to quit the podcast. Yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll not go there. Okay, uh, we're transitioning. You wanted to talk about the UFC that happened over the weekend too, um, so that's what we're, we're transitioning. So in. yeah, um, Stepe took down Daniel Corm. Stepe Miocic took over, took down Daniel Cormier in five rounds and a decision win for the heavyweight championship of the world in the UFC. And um, news coming out of that, Dan Cormier retired. He obviously had the eye poke in the third round, I believe it was. The third round, he had a bad eye poke and basically wasn't able to see um, going to the fourth and fifth round. And the ref just, I mean, it's, it's a tough call. I feel the referee wasn't able to see it. And that made gave Sipe a little bit of an edge. And Sipe almost finished him in the second round. So... Like, Stipe was winning that fight. Stipe got poked a little bit, too. DC was, yeah. DC, they both poked each other in the eyes. Stipe's was just a lot worse. Yeah, a lot but deeper. Yeah, so DC just retired. And, um, I mean, as much hate as he gets for all John Jones things, he, he has done a great – he's had a great career. Two-time Olympic finalist, uh, light heavyweight champion of the world, heavyweight champion, heavyweight champion. The only two men he's ever lost to was John Jones and Stipe Miocic. That – I mean, he, he's played, he's fought the who's who of the heavyweight and light heavyweight division. So I can't blame the man. He's had a great career. He's one of my favorite listens to on, on the, when he's announcing the fights. Him so and Joe I, are fun. So I'm, I'm excited to have him go into that role more. Um, but Cormier had a great legacy. And now I think the thing that is huge coming out of the UFC just recently is John Jones moved to heavyweight. That's gonna, that makes a lot of interesting matchups. Stipe could go the Francis Ngannou route or he could go the John Jones route. I mean, both are enticing. What do you think? I think that the UFC wants to – they want to give Francis another title shot. 
because it's a different Francis than the guy who fought Stipe the last time, and he could sell that. And I think in a perfect world for the UFC, if they were the Vince McMahon, which this is the reason, I don't know if you ever heard this, this is the reason why Vince McMahon pulled out of trying to buy the UFC when they were for sale, because if you can't control who wins and who loses, then you can't, you know, nothing is ever going to work out the way you the want product, to. Yeah. You can't pr- get the best promotion out of it. For the UFC, I think they want Ngannou to avenge his loss against Stipe, and then they want John Jones, Francis Ngannou, greatest, one of the greatest fighters of all time against arguably the biggest puncher that's ever been in the division. It's tough for me to say because I love Carlin just because of you know his relationship with my dad yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but I do think Francis hits harder, and I think Francis is very dangerous at this point. I, I don't know how I see that John Jones-Francis fight going. I think John is smart enough, and he'll get big enough, get on enough steroids that he can <laughs> get it up and go against the, the big bad dude from Cameroon. But I think uh, that's the, what the UFC would like. Yeah, he just tweeted out today. He's like, yep, just got you saw a, t- a random, quote-unquote, random drug test today, today. So I don't, I would love to see Ngannou with Steve A first. Whew, I mean – John Jones is very enticing. I always wanted this isn't gonna happen, but I always wanted John Jones to face Brock Lesnar, which probably won't happen anymore. But I would always, I mean, because Brock is Brock and John John Jones is one of the, Brock Lesnar got his ass kicked by Cain Velasquez though. It's true. And I think John Jones would tie Cain Velasquez up with his own feet. I, I don't even think that that's a fight. If, yeah. If Cain Velasquez and John Jones fought. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, Angano is a lot different fighter. Stipe dominated. That first matchup between the two, and now um, he's a different fighter. He, he has a lot more fights underneath him. He's hitting a lot harder. That that fight kind of because up until that point he had just been going off the fact that he could put anybody to sleep with a punch. He wasn't necessarily a fighter. He was just going out there and trying to land one punch. Mm-hmm. And Stipe showed him, hey, I could take your punches. I, I can stand right here and you can hit me in the face as many times. I'm going to keep coming at you. So now he's developed more of a fighting game, mm-hmm. and that I think. Because after he lost to Stipe the first time, he fought Derek Lewis, which everybody was super excited for, and then they both they, just didn't do, yeah, anything. They didn't do anything. I think that was his transition fight to being like, okay, this is for real. If I'm going to start taking this seriously, I should probably learn how to wrestle, do some conditioning, um, learn how to take care of myself on the ground if I end up there, and then still be able to just put people to sleep. No, the, I think John Jones' heavy, first heavyweight fight isn't going to be anything but the title. So if... UFC decides to skip over Ngannou, which I don't, we both don't think they should. But he'll take he'll take the winner of that Ngannou, Stipe fight, and I think I mean Ngannou versus John Jones would be so much fun to watch. But Stipe is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Yeah. So I mean both of those, all all three of those fights are all match made in heaven. So you can't go wrong with any of those. It'll be good for the heavyweight division to kind of move on to Francis. And get a little bit younger of a champion because mm-hmm. John is in his mid thirties. Stipe, I think, is close to forty. I think he's like 37. 37. Yeah. So they they definitely need to get a little bit younger in the heavyweight division because you still got guys like Junior Dos Santos and Ben Rothwell and uh, oh, the other guy who knocked out Brendan Schaub. It was two guys that Brendan Schaub had both got knocked out by were fighting each other like two weeks ago, and he was mm-hmm. talking about it on his podcast. They should they could use a little bit of infusion infusion of youth into that division and then after Francis Ngannou wins the heavyweight championship put him up against Greg Hardy and let's make up for all those oh times gosh. Greg Hardy got off on his domestic violence charges Greg Hardy doesn't deserve it 
I know he doesn't, deserve- doesn't deserve a number next to his name, let alone being in a heavyweight championship. So let's just ease up on that. I think he should do it just because that that would be like the way of proving like, hey, we built you up, but you, you're never gonna do this. If Ngannou was to lose to Stipe, then throw him in there with the, with the Predator and absolutely get derailed. But if not, he doesn't deserve a heavyweight championship. Fuck. No. He doesn't even look very good when he does fight. Yeah. The other fight that I that I got surprised by on this one, and I apologize if you listen to my beat of the week and I said don't bet on this fight. My buddy Rev, who was on center of attention when I was doing that podcast, and he was talking to me on Friday. He said I I would put money on Sean O'Malley losing because they he was way overhyped and that hype got him got Marlon Vera. He was a plus three ten. So if you put $10 down there, you're, you're making some good money back on, on that. Um, and it ended up happening. Marlon Vera completely owned him just because he has way more experience and was able to bully him a little bit, get him off his game. But that was another fight that I thought Sean O'Malley was going to present himself to that division, and he ended up just getting kind of worked over by the veteran. Yeah, Marlon Chito Vera, he's, he, he's been he's been fired for a very long time. Sugar Sean um, just came on the scene, and in that first round, he, he obviously buckled. His, I think it was his knee or might have his ankle. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But he buckled, and obviously he it it caused um, a lot of pain. And that, that was basically the end-all, be-all. Chido Vera took, took over that fight, got it to the ground, and just pummeled him into the ground. And when you got a fighter who has a mishap and tweaks something on the ground – you gotta take advantage of that, and Chido Vera, he's a great fighter. Like we 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 didn't sugarcoat this enough that he's uh, he's been around for a very long time, and he lost a fight in the pre- his previous fight. He lost a very bad decision, in my opinion. So, he, I mean, I don't know if he's he's title contention, but Sean O'Malley should healthy returns, better and stronger. Uh, he's gonna be out for a little while, obviously with surgery, but he uh, Chido Vera's real deal. That's for sure. I think it's a good fight for him to get underneath his belt. Um, yeah, they did f- try and they did try and push him too fast, and they almost derailed him. But this fight, since it was more of an injury stoppage, I don't think derails him as much as if he would have got put to sleep or something. Yeah, he, he actually faced decent competition yeah. now, and I mean, it showed he he did stand toe to toe with him until the mishap happened. So he could be still a problem in the division, but he's not undefeated anymore. Yeah, he's not undefeated anymore. Um, the rest of the fights, I mean, there was this one. I don't know if you watched. Did you watch the prelims? A little bit, yeah. Did you see the Felice Herring, Vierna, Jandrajova fight? Mm-hmm. That was some sick jujitsu. Yeah. She went from, uh, she was on the back and then transitioned to an armbar before Felice Herring even knew where she was. She was an absolute spider monkey. It was it was ridiculous. She. It would have made your dad proud. Yeah, no, she was great on the ground. You knew right away. I mean, Felice Herring, he, she. Um, did not want to be there, and she knew, the other girl knew exactly what she wanted to do, and she jumped right on top of it and finished that fight very off, very quickly. So, yeah. if that's the way that she fights normally, I haven't seen any of Jandrioba's other fights, but that's a bad matchup for Weili Zhang because Zhang is not a ground person, and if she's strong, but this other this Brazilian girl Jandrioba looked very strong as well. That could be a very interesting matchup. Now, Jandrioba isn't ranked or anything. She is 15-1. But moving forward in that division, I'd kind of like to see the women's divisions continue to grow and, and move. And now that you don't have necessarily a huge star, 
as the champion in that division, that is an intriguing enough fight that you could sell on competition. Yeah, no, he she uh, definitely made a name for herself, and um, I don't. She'll have to have a few more fights, but she could easily wake, make her way up if her jiu-jitsu stays that well. The other fight that I loved also prelims though was Kai Kamaka. He had, I mean, one, probably one of the fights of the night. He stood toe to toe with Tony Kelly, um, made a name for himself, had a great win. Um, and he was, I think, he was, I believe he was the first. I think he was the first fight on the card, and he came, he came right off the gate and set the tone for the whole card. Um, but yeah, so that's another fight that I loved in that card for sure. Overall, this one, it wasn't the best pay per view that I've watched this year since uh, quarantine happened, but it wasn't the worst. Uh, it wasn't the worst UFC event that I've watched. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Obviously, having a heavyweight championship, you're not going to get as much speed as maybe the welterweights or the flyweights, but you're going to get that beat down, just a hard nose, put your hand in the mud, just like all-out brawl fight, and that's what we had. So, Or you end up getting that heavyweight. You remember when we went to the one in Denver, and I think it was like Ben Rothwell and Mark Hunt, yeah. they just leaned on each other because yeah. they weren't used to elevation? That's there's another a, fight that you could get. The yeah, there's division. a reason why they're not <laughs> – they're not – Championship material anymore. Yeah, they. That was back when they were on steroids and everything too. Because that was before USADA. They were basically doing the pride. Hey, pee in this cup, and they would go put it on the table. Don't write your name on it. We're just going to toss it out. We just have to show that you peed in the cup. Uh, transitioning now, get into our our final segments here, and and go right to beats of the week. Is that where you want to start? Yep, we'll start beats of the week. So my first beat of the week. Um, didn't look good after tonight, but I think it's it's still very relevant. OKC right now is plus 120 to win their series against Houston. I, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is next level star. He's going to be up. He's gonna, within the next few years, he'll be an all star. I think they have a lot of great team, even though tonight they weren't there today. I think Chris Paul could lead them, and Steven Adams is a monster in the post. And I think they could pull out an upset there. I think that's a pretty good series to bet on, in my opinion. I mean, with Russ coming back, Houston's going to be even more deadly. But, well, I mean, if if Russ and Harden play 40 minutes tonight, that will only take you so many games. But if they can win four, I mean, if, if OKC can take four away from them and still have a seven-game series, I, I think – OKC could pull off the upset in that series. So that's plus 120. My first um, beat of this week, I was kind of inspired by your Rockies one last week when you were making the long-term bets, so I, I looked in more into those. And the last time that I looked, uh, Toronto versus the Lakers, if you wanted to pick the finals matchup on FanDuel, was plus 1,100. And I actually don't think it's that far off. I think that's a really smart bet to take because those are two teams that could very easily make it into the finals. They have a a fairly decent matchup going in all of, all of the playoffs leading up to the finals. Um, and then that was just – you didn't pick the outcome of the game. You were just picking the two teams in the finals. So that's plus 1,100. I I put – if you put 100 down, you win a decent amount of money. And yeah, that's, that's that's actually a great bet. I, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that one. So that's definitely something I might throw some money down on. But, yeah, like we said before, Lakers have a great shot if they get through Portland. And then, I mean, Toronto is one of the best defensive teams we've seen in a very long time, so that could easily happen. All right. I'll go with my second one. This is uh, I'm getting a little bit excited for football season because we're within a month and teams are starting to put pads on and everything. So that, that was getting me a little bit excited. And I saw the Titans are plus 3,000. Uh, yeah, plus 3,000 to uh, make the Super Bowl, which – 
seems like a long shot and it doesn't really seem like it would happen. But after the way they came out, I, I have enough confidence in the way that they finished last season. I could put like 50 bucks down on this bet and not not worry about it for a little bit. And if they end up making the Super Bowl, hey, I'm super happy and, and I'll get the money that I made. This is not one that you kind of have to keep up with every week. Yeah, no, we'll definitely go into more depth with football going forward. But Derrick Henry's an animal. That that offensive line led by Taylor Lewan has has been great as well. And if Tannehill, the boys, yeah, if Tannehill is able to um, to play like he did last year, teams definitely they're definitely a playoff. Team. I like to. They picked up a lineman in the first round. They got Isaiah Wilson from yep. Georgia. He's a monster. He's gonna be great at right tackle for them. So they'll be. They finally solidified both sides of the line. And that, that'll be good. That's for them. that's even more help for Derrick Henry. So. Yeah, and AJ Brown was a stud last year. So I mean, they still have to compete with the Chiefs, but that's still that's, they, they're still a really they good got, team. Well, the Chiefs also didn't lose anybody, but at this well, this is way like I said, I'm excited. So I'm gonna I'll, <laughs> I'll put this out there. Uh, the Chiefs didn't lose enough to make to close the gap. Like the Titans did a lot, but the Chiefs stayed as good and maybe got it even a little bit better with everything that they've been doing. So that might be a little bit far fetched, but. Like I said, you can put the money down, forget about it, and then if it happens to happen, you got a little bit extra money in your mm, pocket. So, so my next beat of the week. So I have Dow, or Mavericks and the Clippers series to go to go seven games right now, and that's plus three fifty. I think that's a great bet that you need to jump on right away. I mean, if you look at Game One, what happened? Luca was magical. I mean, there, there's reasons why they call him Luca Magic. But Porzingis, if he doesn't get technicals, he's going to make it that a very interesting series. And the Clippers, I mean, they're they're my they're my, they're my Pick to win it all, but I still think Dallas is going to give them a run for their money. If Seth Curry's on point, if if uh, Maxi Kleber, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, that team has a lot of great wings and a lot of great defenders. So if if that, I can see Dallas pushing that game seven series. I mean, it's plus three fifty. That's a pretty good bet to take. Yeah, in my, in my opinion, it's pretty high odds considering. Um, Everything that's gone on, like like within the series, like considering how close Game One was, yeah. So I think that's a that's a pretty good bet to take. And then for my final one, right now Vancouver, like we talked about the um, the Canucks and the Blue series a little bit. And right now Vancouver's plus one thirty to win the series against the Blues. That's a pretty good take. That's a pretty good um, bet to take right now. Blues obviously have momentum, winning two straight, but Vancouver has a lot of raw talent. They could easily take that series. So right now they're plus 130. If um, tomorrow night, if Vancouver wins, then that obviously will go down. Um, but if, because uh, that series will go another game after this, but that, series, that number will go down. But if you see blue, the Blues win game five, then the number will go up even farther. So yeah, that's not it, a, best, a safe bet to take. It'll be, uh, I hope the Canucks end up pushing that series a little bit. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good one to finish out. Uh, my last bet, you put out the fact that somebody put $2 million on the Bengals to make it to – was it make it to playoffs or go to the Super Bowl? It was win their division and make the Super Bowl. Okay, so I actually found a different one. Bengals are plus 680 to make the playoffs any way that they want. They don't have to win the division. They can get the wild card. If you put a $15 bet down, you get 117 Plus the Bengals are in the playoffs. They got a chance to break that playoff streak. My, Jimmy's happy at that point. Because if you read my bio, I think it was on Twitter or Instagram that I'm a Bengals fan, so I'm very used to emotional abuse, and I can handle that perfectly fine. This is four years in a row we made won the division and didn't win a playoff game. I like that one. They're plus 1,700 to win the Super Bowl, so 
That's another one where you put $100 I don't know, I'll down. That one, you put $100 down now, if that ends up happening, you know Jimmy's blacked out drunk somewhere because he's celebrating, celebrating the playoff or a Super Bowl championship. And you, if you put 100 down on a 17000 plus 17000 bet, that's a hundred seventy grand. Yeah, that's that's a little out there considering the division they play in, having to face the Ravens twice a year, Steelers twice a year, and who knows what the Browns are going to look like twice a year. But could easily sneak into a wild card. So I don't, I don't, all it takes I mean, is one. Yeah, all it, it takes just one. takes one. I don't know. No rookie. That is bad though, because no rookie quarterback has ever taken their team and won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe, maybe that is a bad. That is but. just a little bit more of me being a fan and, and wanting that to happen. I do the make the playoffs bet. I could see happening with the extra playoff team. I think Joe Burrow is actually going to help a lot, um, and they do have some decent offensive weapons around him. So. We'll get way into that once it gets a little bit closer. Yeah, and then my, my beat that was like that last week, the Rockies plus 3,000. Yeah, they're not – they've fallen off a little bit. So. Yep, can't give – Not Rock- looking good right now. You can't now. give the Rockies credit. you got to say that they're going to suck and then they'll win. Yeah. Well, yeah, they'll win some games. So, may, the best not looking good right now. But maybe the numbers went up and then it's time to bet even more. So, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen. They're going to end up – they're going to – if you know the Rockies, that you know they're going to find a way to have a June swoon. So, they're, maybe it's like a three-week – where they lose 15 games, but then they can come roaring back. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they should get COVID and have to take a few weeks off. Yeah, that maybe that'd be maybe that'd be. I mean, I don't wish COVID on anyone. No, but, no, no. It's, but maybe we need a break or an all-star break or something. It was a bad analogy, but if you've seen Bull Durham, which is a classic 80s baseball movie with Kevin Costner, they're on a really bad losing streak in their road trip. They end up going to the field that they're going to play and raining out. They put the sprinklers on and kept them on, and rained out the infield so they couldn't play. All we need is a rain out, and then they end up winning again. Baseball, like hockey, basketball, and lacrosse are streaky sports. Baseball is the streakiest sport I've ever known. Yeah. Like, and you have to find superstition to try and keep keep yourself going. Yeah, obviously I know I don't know as much about baseball as you do, but I mean, you, like you look at Altuve right now. Altuve is hitting one sixty seven. That's I mean he's I mean he doesn't have a trash can to help him anymore, but. I get no buzzer. No yeah. buzzer or anything, but baseball is all about if you're hot or not, and you got to get hot at the right time. So. Well, I mean, it's if you make a free throw and you find a rhythm that you do before the shot, you're going to do it every single time because it makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. That baseball, is, you got to find those, and they change so drastically. I mean, what other sport can you fail 70% of the time and be considered one of the greatest ever? Well, I mean, Shaq wasn't a very good free throw shooter. Yeah, but so. I, there's a difference between still scoring like you're 45 right, points a night, and then when you're a, when you're on a bad streak in in baseball and you still end up hitting 300, you're an all star. Yeah, that's true. Very true. All right, um, next one. We're doing plays of the week. So uh, if you guys follow us on Instagram at feotb pod. Um, You'll see that play of the week was won by Jimmy last week. I had Mari Kawa on 16 driving, and then Jimmy had uh, Devin Booker from half court. And based on the poll, Devin Booker won, so Jimmy's 1-0 in that. But so now the next, so the now, and then we'll obviously we'll go into player of the week right after player of the week, and I won that. I had Damian Lillard, and he had uh, Kucherov, I believe, Nikita Kucherov yep. from Tampa Bay Lightning. And Dame has been on a tear, so yeah, I easily won that. That so was a bad. We're, one, we're one and one. We're all we're both one and one. So. Knowing our fan base, that was definitely a bad pick on my part because <laughs> it's definitely more interested in basketball. But if you look at Nikita Kucherov's stats, it's insane what he's been able to do in the bubble. He's he's, he's done a good job, but he's not Damian Lillard. So yeah. I'll, I'll let you start with play of the week because you won. All so. right, play of the week. I'm going Landis Scoggs assist to McKinnon. 
and then he goes Bardowski to beat Darcy Kemper. In a game that they ended up losing, but that was the first clean shot that they'd gotten by Darcy Kemper. Um, and especially early, I think that was the first goal he gave up in the first period since mm-hmm. they restarted the season. It was just beautiful, and it showed the confidence McKinnon had to fly at you and then shoot shoot the puck top and try and go bar down because that's one of the more difficult ways that you could score. I mean, you can glance it in off the side pretty easily. Going up and then down, it, it hadn't been working for them, and he was able to break through. Yeah, that goal was literally right off the rip too. I think it was minute, a minute in. It was, he, yeah. He, it, was five, sh- it was like – Four four fifty and it was like yeah. sixteen ten. It was it was right off the top of the um right out right out the gate and it was such a his... such an amazing play you'd think that it was in a movie mm-hmm. but it actually happened in real life. McKinnon and Landeskog are just that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean that's a, that's a great pick. I, I no doubt about that. So my play of the week, I have uh, the Joker Nicole Jokic his full court pass to Jeremy Grant for the dunk. Um, it was in the third quarter of the first playoff game for the Nuggets against the Jazz. And Jokic got a rebound like he usually does. Just, I think one of the announcers called that John Elway pass. Threw that down, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant made a great catch. He uh, dodged, I believe it was Royce O'Neal over the top and then dunked it. So that was my play of the week. Is long passes, one-handed passes off of rebound. I've always, always fun to watch. And Jokic makes it look so easy. That'll so. be a, an interesting pull because it's the two Denver teams that are hot right now. It's true. And we'll, we'll figure out where loyalties lie. Yeah. So. Um, and then so I'll start player of the week. Yeah. My player of the week, Jamal, Jamal Murray, he's been on a tear. 38 points, like we said um, earlier. 30, he had 38 points. And, I mean, just listen to the stat line. When Jamal, Jamal Murray checked in at 5 minutes and 53 seconds left in the fourth quarter, this was the possession. Going to overtime as well. Torrey Craig, two. Jamal Murray assists to Jokic, two points. Jamal Murray assists to Jokic, two points. Murray, two. Murray, three. Murray, three. Murray, two. Jokic free throws, two of them. Murray, two. Murray assists to Morris. Murray, three. Murray assists to Jokic. Murray, two. Murray, three. Grant, and then finish off with Jeremy Grant hitting four free throws. He took over the fourth quarter in overtime. And... Donovan Mitchell, if, if he didn't play like he did, Nuggets would have lost that game very easily. Because like we said earlier, Donovan Mitchell was on a tear. Jamal Murray took over that fourth quarter in overtime and showed the world why he is who he is. And without Mike Conley, I pred- I'm, pre- I'm saying this on Tuesday because I feel like he's going to have an even greater game on Wednesday. So, so I mean, you'll be able to tell if I'm right or wrong about this when this comes out. But on Wednesday, I feel like he's going to have a great game as well without Mike Conley in the lineup. Yeah, my pick seems really bad right now. Uh, I did this before the Avs and Coyotes played their last game. I had Darcy Kemper. I actually filled this part out in the first period of the game that happened on Monday. And, uh, yeah, they. I thought going into the game he had, only, he had 119 saves, only allowed eight goals to the Avs in 19 since they started the league or restarted the league again. I was on the I was on the cusp of saying maybe we're seeing a Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh emerge. It turned out the Avs just weren't finding the shots that were going to go. I don't think Darcy Kemper – he played out of his mind, and that's great for him. He could possibly be one of the best goaltenders moving forward. But it, this isn't the same situation like a Jordan Bennington last year where he comes in and, and you are established that this is the new superstar goalie in the league. This was more of a – case of the Avs just not being able to find the back of the net and, and him being able to take advantage of that. Yeah, people forget, I mean, Avs fans, like, long, long-term Avs fans should remember Kemper because in the 2013 first round when, the, when Patrick Wall was our head coach, we faced him. 
So we, we were able to get to the Wilds for number one goal at the time, and Darcy Kemper came in. And that's when the Wild took game six and seven. On, I mean, game seven was on our home ice, and that's when Patrick Wall um, pulled the goalie way too early, and that's that's a whole different conversation. He was an interesting coach. Interesting coach. I love the player, but interesting coach. But he was an was, interesting player too. Yeah, but. one of the great, greatest <laughs> goals of all time. But, yeah, so as fans should not be – not that should not be not familiar with Darcy Kemper. Obviously, we're a lot more familiar with him now because of how great he played. But getting to him in Game Four was so big. I think that that confidence now, that knowing that we can get past this goalie, is going to be huge in Game Five. And uh, I'm not bashing your pick because it was a good pick because he had fit 49 saves. So at the time that I made it, it was an amazing pick. But now at this so point, much. it's just not. So not, that might be another way for me. But yeah, I think we're gonna. I'm hoping that people pick my play of the week. That one, I'm not sure who's going to win, but I'm hoping we keep the same stats. I'll go 0-2 in player of the week if I can keep play of the week. Yeah. So, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, we still let... got play or uh, game of the week. Oh, shoot. You're right. Game of the week. So, yeah, my game of the week, um, like, like we said, right now, the Lakers and Blazers are on right now, and that score is... I believe Portland was up three at halftime, but let me double check. So, that... Game two is going to be my play or game of the week. Um, like I said, that series is going to be huge. Yep, Portland's up three right now in the third quarter. So I think that series is going to have every game. It's going to be must-watch TV. So I, I, that's my game of the week for upcoming. I think my game of the week is going to be the, the rest of the series between the Blues and Canucks. Tonight's going to be huge. I don't think that – I think the, the, the Canucks – not tonight. Tomorrow night is huge. Um by the time you're listening to this, it will have already happened. But game, this game five is going to be big because whoever wins, if the Canucks win, I can see them being able to win the series. But I don't know if they can come back um, and win two in a row against St. Louis. I think they have to get this one. They can drop game six and then come back and win game seven. But this is all hinging on whoever wins to, wins tomorrow night, and that's going to be my, my, my game of the week coming up. Yes, be sure to tune into both those games. Both those games are going to be – Big in terms of the series that they're each are in. Obviously, if Portland's able to grab game one, it's going to be a must win for the Lakers. If the Lakers grab like game one, Portland might need to respond back. And then Vancouver and Blues having a 2-2 series is always big. Or game five is always the biggest game of the series. So both series must watch TV. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll let Jimmy close this out. But hope you enjoyed the podcast. Like we said before, follow, subscribe, like it. Tell your friends. Oh, like, do we want to read a review? Because we got a couple of reviews. Sure, I guess we can read one. That way, they that way they understand. And I I know the one that I'm we do read. read them. We do we do and, and hit like hit the likes. Um, I've you, had I've had family members and different friends tell me about how what different ad different things we should do for the podcast. We're all taking those into uh, consideration. Promise you, we are. Uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to do our best to feed to the people as well as as well as have our own little fun. Yep. So. But yeah, I'll this is all, all about fan interaction. So if you guys continue to leave reviews and continue to rate the show, we'll we'll keep reading them. This one is uh, this is the Lawrence Taylor of podcasts, um, and the the, so the person who is it's from is the review guy of thing of these things. It says Nico is a cute man who has always made me chuckle. So I hope that you know who that is, who that is from. If not, review again next week and, and reveal yourself if you are a secret admirer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But he doesn't know that your name is spelled with a K? 
Yeah, that's a problem. So, so maybe that's that's an already. I'm, that's I'm starting already, to wonder how close of a friend you are with yeah, this person. Yeah, no, no kidding. If you know me, my, you know it's N I K O. It's German. It's got the K. It's actually it's actually Russian, but I mean still, Nikolai. Nikolai's I figured Russian, you got it from your mom's side. Either either way, it's still with the K. I'm not. I mean, I am Italian, but it's not the C for Nico. Yeah. Um, so continue to rate, subscribe, review. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow, and then you can like the show. And then continue to reach out to us and can, and uh, conversate with us through the social medias. We were, we're both on the Twitter constantly, and we're tweeting about stuff that's been happening, news events, the games. Um, I know we've both been trying to tweet out as much as possible during the Denver games because that's where most of our fan base is. But you can chirp us on there. You can reply to us. Um, and we're going to start maybe using that to generate some questions if, that you guys want to ask us because at some point we're going to start have to fill in it, having to fill in content when – there's not four sports going at once. Yeah, we're, uh, we're very lucky right now having, yeah, having everything all at once. But, yeah, make sure to follow us on there. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about all sorts of heat. Like, I, I tweeted out um, a funny meme today, like, just about a few hours ago about T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler. Like, we'll, we'll try to post some funny things. We'll talk about the Avs on there. We'll talk about the Nugs. We'll talk about the Rockies when it happens. And then football starts, I'll be a big Broncos fan, so that will happen. And then, obviously, Jimmy with the Bengals. So, be sure make sure to follow us on all those. Well, we're going to try to interact with um, our audience as much as possible. Uh, we're, we're hoping, like we said, we're going to use hashtags. We're going to try to gain traction on this podcast. We're hopefully get the, get our feet off the ground because, I mean, me, I'm having so much fun doing this with Jimmy. I mean, it's fun to see the different arguments he has and the different topics around the, around the world sports and continuing on that. But be sure also to tune in next week because you won't want, want to miss the, won't want to miss the center of attention segment about Mama next week. So watch that. At F-E-O-T-B pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Go ahead and follow. Um, you can follow Nico at Nico11Bryant on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on uh, Twitter at Jimmy Pilato and Instagram at Proud underscore WAP. Um, so you guys can keep up with everything that we've got going on next week. That's why you got to subscribe because we'll be back with another episode next Thursday. Just continue to pile these things on. I've, I've had a blast doing this podcast as well. So that'll do it for Far End of the Bench, Episode 2. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. This is a dollar bell was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them pipes and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire the beat. Elephants are getting ahead of me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk. I'm going here. I'm going crazy. I'm here. Who's sticking up for niggas? I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I sell it for 30.